Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. We sent out an appeal on Valentine's Day asking you to help pay for some really big expenses that we have coming up. A microphone for Tiffany that is compatible with her computer. A new microphone for me because my ancient mic, the one I've been using this whole show, is just about to kick the bucket. And a mixing board, which could cut hours out of the editing process, which, when we think about making this show sustainable, is very important. And I am thrilled with those of you who stepped up to help. So today my thanks go out to Becky and Linda, Kay and Teresa, Scott and Mary, Kathy and Joe, Anthony and Sarah. Thank you so much for helping us chip away at these bills. It means so, so much. And if you love this show and you want to keep us on the air, it is never too late to chip in. Just visit the donation links in the show notes or find them at thebittersweetlife.net. Thank you so much. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks. Katie is away this week, but we're joined today by Wendy Pogeman, who is a professor, is that right? Yes, I'm a professor of history at Siena College in upstate New York. But you're also an espresso aficionado, is that correct? Yes. Well, I moved from aficionado and espresso lover and drinker to an espresso researcher, so I've just published a book about the history of espresso in Italy. So you're a true espresso expert. I consider myself expert now after having written the book, yes. We are sitting in Emporio Sant'Eustachio, which is the new sort of like expanded, larger, a little more inviting version of Café Sant'Eustachio, which is the famous coffee shop here in Rome, probably the most famous, considered the best. It's one of the top two contenders for the best coffee in Rome. And we'll talk with Wendy in a little bit if she agrees with that. But we're sitting here and Wendy is going to try to sell me on loving espresso. Because if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am not a coffee drinker, but I'm willing to try. Well, one advantage of this location of the Emporio Sant'Eustachio is that Raimondo Ricci, who is the owner and the Sant'Eustachio has been in his family for multiple generations. They're a staple of post-war Italian life at the other location. But he opened here in part because of specialty coffee and wanting to introduce Italians to other ways of drinking coffee. And so if you are not a coffee lover and you like teas, I would probably recommend here an Manorigine and We'll ask what they'll recommend because probably you want something that's going to be a little bit lighter roasted, more acidic types of flavors. So the flavor profile would be more similar to a black tea or something. Okay, that sounds good. Now, can you explain for our listeners who are not coffee expert what mono origine means? So mono origine means that the beans come from a single origin usually from the same country, sometimes from the same farm. And most Italian espresso is a blend of beans from different parts of the world. Usually the base of Italian espresso is from Brazil. And then they'll add 
flavors from other places, maybe Guatemala or even Indonesia or what have you, to make it more complex. <laughs> okay, so like the difference between just like your sort of ordinary red table wine and something that's a little more of a multipulciano or you know something like that. Well, we'll see what they have. An espresso blind arabica you might like. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's order and then we'll give it a try. Hi, it's Katie. And Tiffany. We're breaking in just to tell you of a very special meetup that's coming very soon. We're going to be doing a live gathering online on Saturday, the 12th of March. And of course, since this is an international show, the time might vary, but if you're in Seattle like Katie, it's going to be an early one at 9 a.m. That means if you're in New York or anywhere on the East Coast, it'll be noon. If you're in Rome like me, it'll be 6 p.m. I guess you can figure out whatever time you're in based on that. Yes. And who's going to be invited? Well, first of all, our supporters on Patreon. Yes. And also our longtime supporters over on PayPal, people who donate every month, along with our major donors, people who have donated quite a bit to the show. Those three groups are going to be invited to this meetup. We hope that you can come. And if you're not one of those three groups, there are ways to join us. Yes, there are ways to become a member of one of those three groups. If you go over to patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can sign up as low as at the $5 a month level, and you will be invited. That's right. And there are links to donate in the show notes or visit thebittersweetlife.net. We hope to see you there. Now back to the show. All right. So I'm a little nervous because like even black tea, I can't manage to drink it without a little bit of milk in it. So this is going to be the real deal. It's the way to try it, and it's okay if, if you don't fall in love. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, I should point out that I have had espresso before. It's not like I've never had it. When I first moved to Rome, I started to try to drink it. I had never liked coffee, you know, growing up as a young adult. I'm from Seattle, right. which is another a coffee center. Coffee center, yeah. And I just never developed a taste for it, despite the fact that, you know, it was the 90s. It was just like the beginning of the sure. coffee boom in the United States, I feel like, or the espresso boom, at least. I never developed a taste for it all through college, like never did the coffee all-nighters, nothing. When I moved here, I was like, okay, maybe I should give it a try, you know, this is the best coffee in the world. And I just never liked it. But the only time I ever drink espresso is if I'm out with my husband mm -hmm. and I'm starting to get sleepy because I'm not a night person. Mm -hmm. So sometimes he'll say, you know, have an espresso just to make sure you don't get too sleepy. But I have to force myself to drink it. Have you ever tried pocket coffee? Yeah, I have. I can't. I don't. Like yeah, I do like chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Pocket coffee, for those of you who don't know, is like a little square of chocolate with right, it's made by the Ferrero Rocher same people who make Ferrero so the pe same people who make Ferrero Rocher but it's not available in the US so and it's only available during the winter season in Italy because then obviously it melts in transport but yeah it's a little shot of espresso inside a chocolate square yeah yeah I don't I mean is it an entire shot no it's, it's, it's like a, a, it's like a little, little it's like it's, a teaspoonful but you, but you taste it yeah for sure so explain to me as a non-coffee person People are obsessed with coffee, like 90% of the population can't function without it. Beyond the caffeine aspect, what is it that hooks people and that makes people so in love with coffee? 
Well, I think like you, I too didn't really grow up drinking coffee. And one thing I talked about in the introduction to the book is for me, coffee was, you know, maybe you felt like you were cool with your friends. And when I was a teenager and actually I went to high school in Iowa and we would go to like a Perkins or a Denny's and drink a little bit of coffee. It, it wasn't very good, you know, but it was like you felt sort of transgressive for drinking coffee. <laughs> um, and then maybe college, grad school, I'd like grab a latte at Starbucks on my way to work or something like that. But again, it was just not something um, I really appreciated or understood so much as just something people did. And it probably wasn't until, well, I came to Rome the first time I was a junior, my junior year abroad. I studied at Loyola up on Monte Mario. And then I came back to do research for my dissertation. And that's when I also, I I met my husband and friends. Is he Italian? Yes, he's from Rome. Spending time with Italians, I think that I started to understand the cultural side of espresso and how it was so woven into any kind of, like you said, if you're going out for the evening, you meet up with your friends, and the first thing everybody says is, and they will print in cafe, right? So that's just part of sociability of coffee. I'm not actually, I don't have that sort of, I must have coffee. I'm not like a real big caffeine person either. And in fact, that's why I also really like espresso. American filter coffee makes me jittery. It has twice as much caffeine as espresso. So if I have American coffee, it just destroys me actually. So really the only coffee, it's, I think espresso is actually a, a healthy way to drink coffee, especially if it's prepared through a pump machine, which is different than like a mocha pot or something, because you're getting fewer impurities, it's fewer oils, and there's half as much caffeine. And the darker the, the, darker the roast, less caffeine as well. That is so interesting. I had no, I had no, I, you know, you always have this thought of like, I'll have a double espresso, you know, and it's like a jolt of lightning. No, if you want... If you want a caffeine kick, have filter coffee that's slightly roasted. That is interesting. What's happening is the water is going through slowly through the filter, and you're getting more of all the other oils and things. That like the impurities. Right. What is it that makes some espresso good and some bad? There are so many factors that go into getting one espresso. It's incredible. You know, from the production of the beans to how they're farmed to how they're processed to how they're transported, to the roasting process, to, again, the transport, how they're stored, then to how, they're, how the espresso is ground. It could be the humidity can factor into how finely or coarsely they grind the coffee at the bar. So really good baristas know, oh, today's really humid, I need to adjust you know, how fine the grind is. So, so many things happen between a bean growing on a plant somewhere in, say, Central America to it ending up here in Rome in your, in your espresso cup. cup, right? Well, that is absolutely fascinating. How much goes into making a good cup of coffee? I, I had a feeling it was complex, but I don't know if I realized it was that complex. Now, we have our coffee, and I... Am I not supposed to stir it? No, I'm saying you're doing the right thing. You should always... People think that even if you don't use sugar, if you don't use sugar, you don't need to stir your espresso, but you should still stir it because through the pot machines, the crema that's on top, which is considered a sign of good espresso, is sweeter than the coffee below. So it's good to stir it so that you can. I'm gonna try this. I'm not putting any sugar in. There's no milk. This is like hardcore. (laughs) Let's see. Okay, 
it's actually, yeah, it's actually less bitter than what I'm used to when I get just a regular espresso if I go to the Santo Stacchio across town. Yeah, again, the, this is a, probably a little more complex and the flavor profile encourages you not to put the sugar in. So for people who don't really like coffee, you want a coffee that you don't need sugar for, so it's going to be a little bit lighter. Interesting. If you're a person who doesn't really like coffee, you need a type of coffee that doesn't need sugar. Well, what? okay, then what makes a type of coffee that does need or not necessarily need sugar, but sugar makes it better? Well, again, it's sort of a traditional Italian espresso has a Brazilian base of Arabica. And most places do a 75-25 roast for Italy. So that means 75% Arabica and 25% Robusta. And Robusta is a hardier coffee plant, but the flavors tend to be a little more bitter. So if you want to add that full-bodied complexity to your espresso, you want a little bit of Robusta, but the percentages can make a difference. And you know, companies like Ely have really made a name for themselves by doing 100% Arabica. They still do, and they do different roasts now, and they do a Mano Origine, um, so does Lavazza, some of these bigger companies. But generally speaking, um, for Rome, Romans usually do 75-25 or even 50-50. Okay. How important is it to grind your coffee beans like right before you make your coffee? Obviously, it's fresher, but also if your beans are relatively fresh, otherwise it wouldn't make that much of a difference. One thing I find though, if you don't have a really good grinder that does espresso powder, again, say like your average grinder that you buy in the US, Mm -hmm. you're never gonna get the powdery espresso, so that might be a problem in some machines. It may not, it may, um, the water will go through too quickly and then be a little bit watery tasting. So is it almost better if you don't have the fancy grinder to buy it already ground? Yes, that's what I would recommend. And actually, my one machine that I use the most probably at home, I just buy ground coffee. Yeah, speaking of Ely, that's my husband's favorite. He adores the Ely. It's one of my favorites as well. Oh. Um, my husband prefers Kimbo because he finds the Ely a little bit acidic. I, I like both of them, so I, I don't have a strong preference, but I usually buy it ground. Interesting. Now let's talk a little bit about your book. Tell us the name of it and sort of how it came to be. So the book is called Espresso, the Art and Soul of Italy. And it came to be because I drank a lot of espresso over the years of doing research. So I'm really a specialist in modern and contemporary Europe and specifically post-war Italy. And I've published a lot of work on women's movements and social movements in Italy. And one day I was actually doing archival work at the National Archives and went into the usual bar on my way in to have my pre-going-to-do-research espresso. And the barista started talking to me and I asked for a cafe. And then they always ask, oh, you sure you want a cafe espresso? You sure you don't want a lungo or americano? And went through, I'm like, no, no, cafe espresso. So we started talking and, you know, so those conversations with this barista and I was thinking, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Why do I like just regular old espresso, unlike a lot of other Americans, you know. So that just kind of stuck with me. And then traveling to Italy with students and seeing their responses to the espresso bar was really interesting to me. The whole just sort of process of ordering and because you pay first and then you go to the banco and that was all like new to them and they were confused by it. Some of them were intrigued by it, some of them were terrified, you know, so (laughs) just different reactions. But then I always thought when I would get home, after being here. One thing I always miss is 
the atmosphere of the Italian espresso bar and how integrated it is into daily life. The sounds of the tassine and the spoons and the spoons and the sounds of the machines and making the cappuccino and the steam and the people talking and everybody ordering and this whole choreography of watching all of this transpire. And that's one of the things that I always miss the most when I'm not here. And that it's really hard to replicate anywhere else. You're right. I love it too. I don't really like the flavor and the taste of coffee, but I love the coffee culture that surrounds it. Right. Or just the, the bar experience, because even if you don't drink coffee, some point during the day, you probably go into an espresso bar and order maybe a sandwich or you know something else that Fanta. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time whenever I you know whenever I'm out with my husband and he's like I just need a coffee you know and we go into the bar and he's like Do you want a tea because he knows I don't drink it and I'm like honestly drinking tea at a bar. It's not nice. Right, yeah, it's not. it's not gonna be quick. Even a cappuccino at the bar. I mean, that I wouldn't order a cappuccino at the bar either, because you want to take your time over a cappuccino a little more. But I always find that whenever we go into a bar and we order, you know, an espresso macchiato for him and a and a tea for me, they will always make the espresso first, always, and give him his espresso. Then they will start like boiling the water for uh-huh. the tea. And I always want to be like, listen put the tea on first because it has to steep and it takes three or four minutes whereas the you know so at least that'll start so no my husband has already finished his espresso before they've even handed me the teapot and we have to stand around and then I have to slurp it down which is you know I like to take my time over a pot of tea you know so I don't even order anything at the bar anymore but I still love the culture of it though I collect espresso cups from different coffee shops they're so cute yet I don't like coffee and I don't know why no that makes sense so you know I took what was a curiosity and just casual conversation. And then I started thinking, I, maybe I could actually turn this into a research project. And at first I was just going to write about Rome because I've been coming here for a long time and it's the city I know the best and I know the neighborhoods and some of the more famous bars in each of the neighborhoods and all of that. But then I actually participated in a seminar through the National Endowment for the Humanities on the Resorgimento and the Unification of Italy up at the American Academy in Rome. And I started working on a project there actually about women during the Risorgimento. The research wasn't going well, it was just like ending up with dead ends. And I was thinking about the, all these regional differences and coffee, and I said, maybe I'm not gonna do the Risorgimento right now, put that on the back burner, but maybe I'm really gonna explore this whole idea of coffee and, and regionalisms and culture and transition, but also continuity um, in the history of espresso. I love that. I love that. And did it take a lot of research? Like, did you have to travel besides just Italy? I knew Rome well, so that didn't take me long to kind of put that together. But I spent more time in, I decided to choose three cities. You know, I would have liked to have done more, but at some point I had to say, okay. <laughs> Let me see if I can guess. Naples is one of them? Right. So Turin, Rome, and Naples. You know, I thought about also someplace like Trieste or Italy, where Ely is based, or Sicily. But again, I had to, I couldn't do everything I necessarily wanted to and get this done in a sort of timely fashion. I visited um, several of sort of the mid-size coffee or espresso manufacturers, like Cafe Vergnano in Torino, Cafe Moreno in Naples, and here in Rome there's Cafe Trombetta. And Trombetta, they have a coffee shop at Piazza del Popolo, and they have their older one that was actually right by the Stazione Termini. Mm-hmm. And so visiting that, actually getting to see the whole process of, of the roasting of the coffee and how, and now the new phenomenon too of, of making capsules and that sort of thing. So I got to see all of that, which was really fabulous. And then I went around and inter- interviewed bar owners and baristi 
started to come together that way. And then I also did archival research, looking at newspaper articles. And one of the chapters is actually about popular culture. So looking at the espresso tradition through cinema, through music, through advertising, through superstition. So it expanded quite a bit from just something about Rome. Well, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a historian, so you, uh, you know, this is not a fluffy, oh, I love, ro- I, love, I love coffee, this is great about coffee. Like, you did your real research and you're trained to do that. I did real research, but one thing I have noticed people have commented is that it's also a tribute to espresso, that you can tell that I really do like espresso, and <laughs> there's definitely a love both for espresso and for Italy. What is the origin of espresso? Like, who invent, who discovered it? Who, who was the first to roast coffee? Like, when did it arrive in Europe? Give us like a, a general overview of the history of, of coffee and espresso in particular. Espresso is really a product of the 20th century. And there's some debate whether it was originally invented actually in Torino by an Italian or by a Frenchman. So there's a little bit of debate about that. But say by the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, there was a kind of percolator that was being produced and was displayed at the World's Fair but it is more of a pork later than a real espresso machine, which developed a bit later. What is the term espresso? Like, what does that mean exactly? Espresso could be that it's consumed quickly. Espresso can be that it's produced quickly. So these percolators, the water would boil for a while. The flavor is always going to be, again, a little bit more bitter because of the way that it's boiled. So the espresso for the machines means, again, that it's using a pump at high pressure that presses the water through the grounds. If you look at, say, the idea of consuming coffee quickly, also espresso, that even really developed in Italy in the 19-teens already through the futurists who were combining this idea of technology and speed. So if you think about streamline and trains and this kind of like even art deco aesthetic there are a lot of images too of of these kind of early machines that aren't really espresso machines yet but the idea of pouring these cups of coffee as someone was running off to catch a train so there's this idea of speed and modernity um, that's also incorporated into the idea of espresso and then if we look later still so the post-world war ii economic boom which italy started a bit later than in the u.s so really by the late 1950s then that's when we get the idea of you consume coffee at a bar counter because before i was still usually seated and service and the espresso machine was like kind of out front because people would admire the beauty of the craftsmanship but then the espresso machine becomes an espresso machine moves behind the counter and people go to the counter to consume the coffee and so that's when you also see a little bit of an american influence so the idea of a barman okay which then becomes barista but the idea of standing at a counter and drinking the espresso that leaving that's really not until the second half of the 20th century Really? Okay. Coffee in general? Like, when did the actual product of coffee as a drinkable, in a drinkable form, arrive in Italy? Let's say is, um, you know, some of the first coffee consumption took place in Venice. So it was coming through the Ottoman Empire. 1700s, let's say there's a little bit more of a widespread coffee culture developing. So it comes through... Ottoman Empire through Venice and then, you know, spreads to the continent, say, into France and so on. And then, say, by the era of the Enlightenment uh, in the 18th century, you see 
tea houses that also will serve coffee, but there's like tea, coffee, hot chocolate, and smoking tobacco. All the good stuff, basically. <laughs> Not that I smoke, but, uh, but all of the stimulants, really. Those are all stimulants. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're at Cafe Sant'Eustachio, supposedly the best coffee in Rome. Where do you like to drink coffee, though? Like in Rome and maybe in the States. Like what is your go-to place when you want the best coffee? Again, you're going to find a fair amount of consistency among places that make espresso. And again, there'll be different preferences. So I usually will have my, because I usually have, when I'm in Rome, in the morning I do mocha pot coffee. Then I go out and then I have my cafe macchiato, usually around 11 or so. And there are like three different espresso bars in the, I'm in Monteverde in Rome. So there's three different bars that I'll go to depending on where I am or what I feel like doing. Every day it's a little bit of a different choice, but I do have sort of regular places that I go. Sant'Eustachio obviously being here in the center of Rome, it's just such a good example of the transformation because Sant'Eustachio was a latteria, so people would stop there to buy milk. Oh, I didn't know that. And back when it opened, there was one of the main um, location of the Università di Roma was right there, the Sala Sapienza, and obviously the government offices. So with coffee, the whole piazza transformed, the mode of consumption transformed, and that's when you start to see people maybe going from their offices into the Sant'Eustachio to get coffee as a break. Interesting. I love that. I love the cultural connection. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. The book is Espresso, the Art and Soul of Italy, and it is available, you tell me, is it available everywhere? Is it available on Amazon? Yes, it is available in many different bookshops. If you would like a signed copy from me, um, that's only through Parigi Books, so P-A-R-I-G-I, Parigi like the city, parigibooks.com. Um, I have signed copies there, but it's available through all kinds of online books. Wherever and wherever you get your books. Well, I'm really excited to dive into it. I'm going to be honest, I'm still not 100% on the espresso train, but I have a, I believe that every time you, you eat something, you like it a little bit more. I trained myself to like olives, for example. I hated mm-hmm. them, now I love them. So maybe bit by bit, I will learn to love it. I hope so. Try different things and see what works for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will uh, see you next time. Join us again. Bye. Support the show by wearing a Bittersweet Life t-shirt or socks or even a Bittersweet Life face mask. We have merch, and you might find your new favorite mug by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. Click on support to explore the merch catalog. And have fun!